Well, anyways, good to see the faithful few that are out here tonight. And God is blessing, by the way, be in prayer for our building program. I just got a email from General Steele that uh, that they have submitted um, the plans to uh, Desert Hot Springs for review, and Desert Hot Springs asked if we were aware <clears throat> that there is a conditional land use permit that we have to apply for. And so they asked me if I was aware of that, and I said no, but I am now. In Cathedral City, they waived the conditional land use permit, uh, but here, uh, that is not the case in Desert Hot Springs. In Desert Hot Springs, uh, evidently, they want us uh, to um, pay the fee. If you're not familiar what a conditional land use permit is, it's, it's money that we have to put up front, and sometimes it depends on how much money uh, they want from us, and it's non-refundable. If they decide for whatever reason uh, that uh, we're not able to build on that property, well, the money is not refunded back to us. And conditional land use permits, depending on the city, depending on who we're working with, can vary anywhere from just a few hundred dollars to several thousands of dollars. Uh, I believe in Temecula, Brother Wrench said it was $25,000 for them. Uh, $25,000 in him at uh, I was told uh, for Brother Lavelle. And so hopefully that won't be the case in Desert Hot Springs. I'm, we're on the desert. But anyway, you know, they want to make sure that uh, there's money there for their pockets. So I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> that's what happens when you work with uh, various cities. It's just too bad. Should have, but didn't. Back when it was all in the county, uh, we wouldn't have had that problem. But uh, the Lord knows. So I, sh I, I share that with you just to pray that the Lord will, uh, that will put some, you know, kindness in their hearts. And they will realize, well, my, we need churches here in Desert Hot Springs. You know, with drive-by shootings and, and homeless people and drugs running rampant. Um, and the sirens blowing, I would think that they would want a little bit of help from churches to work in their community. And, and that may be the case. We will find out once we get to that place. But we're moving forward, and right now we have 50000 in our building. I honestly think that once we move forward, we can easily raise another 50000 I know that my uh, grandson, uh, Levi, has got at least half of that. <laughs> Just <laughs> but um, we've been promised 100000 Uh If uh, we can get that permit in our hand, uh, uh, the Jehovah Jireh ministry has uh, millions of dollars that have been donated to them. Uh, it was an institution that was set up by a multimillionaire who was a Christian, and uh, they continued to receive more and more money. And uh, my good friend, Brother Wilder, which we started a church out of Bible Baptist Church over there in Olympia, which is the church that uh, he uh, founded and is pastoring uh, and uh, 
and was able to do that uh, through Bible Baptist Church of Puyallup has uh, assured me that if we get the permit in our hands, since he is one of the directors, uh, that um, he will do everything in his power to make sure we get that $100,000. Uh, there's always going to be sacrifice on our level. I wouldn't have it any other way. I, you know, when something's handed to you, don't appreciate it as much as when you're willing to put some sacrifice into it. And God's grace is always there. I will say this, when we built uh, the facilities there at Bible Baptist Church, the people that were involved in that, many of those people are still there in the church. God has blessed them with uh, wonderful families, uh, great marriages, great homes, uh, and great livelihoods. And I believe a lot of that had to do because of their faithfulness to the Lord. And... Uh, now their children's children are taking part in the church. And so if the Lord tarries, and I don't know how long he will tarry. And in fact, I'm thinking about making our theme for 2022 based on Matthew 2022. Will you be able? That would be a, kind of an interesting theme. Because the disciples said, hey, Jesus... We're willing to die for you. We're willing to go through whatever you're going to go through. And Jesus said, well, are you willing to be baptized with the baptism I'll baptize with? And they said, we are able. And anyway, he said, okay, well, you're going to go through it, but we'll see if you're able. <laughs> it may be an interesting year. We're talking about God's grace, but let me just say this on a positive note on what I just got through saying. God's grace is always there to get us through whatever he wants us to go through. And so this, this evening, we want to talk about the grace of uh, Christ's birth. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, in verse number 14, that the Word became flesh... We understand in verse number one, in the beginning was the word. God is from everlasting to everlasting. And so Jesus was with the heavenly father from the very beginning, which is from eternity past, where there is no beginning. And uh, all things that were, all things that are created, and all things that are yet to be created were all created by him. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Bible says, and through the Word all things were created. Without Him, without the Word, was nothing created. And so God <clears throat> makes it very clear that it was His Son who created all things. And uh, the Bible makes it very clear in verse number 14 through the Apostle John and the Word which was with the Father, and all things were created by the Word, the Word became flesh. And the Word has dwelt among us, and we beheld Him as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so John makes it very clear in verse number 15 that he is to bear witness of Him, Christ saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. 
and of his fullness have all we receive grace for grace. Now, what does that mean, grace for grace? That means that in the fullness of God's spectrum of all that he plans to pour out on those who will receive him, the grace will be so much grace that it will be grace heaped on top of grace. And so we, therefore, to get a better understanding of that, would need to take a look at what is the fullness of his grace. And uh, where do we go to find the grace that is going to be heaped upon us? Well, there are many places that we could go, but uh, I suggest that we go to the book of Colossians. So let's look over at Colossians chapter 1. And there in Colossians chapter 1, we find in this passage of Scripture many wonderful truths that are said about God's grace. But because of time, we're only going to pick on a few. In fact, let's begin reading at verse number 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness and then he said and excuse me for some reason my pages are sticking together in verse number 12 and then he says giving thanks why well giving thanks unto the father which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in lights who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things and by him All things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. In the body of his flesh, through death, 
to present you holy and unblameable and reprovable in his sight. Heavenly Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So here we are told concerning the much grace that God has bestowed upon us that he has atoned us of our sins. So when we think that we have atonement for our sins, well, what does that mean? Well, I think we know what that means. That means that Jesus Christ came into this world and every sin that we've ever committed, regardless how, gro how gross or how wicked or how long we were sinning, Jesus Christ, through the redemption that he has provided by the blood that he shed, because it is so effective, it is so efficacious, therefore it has washed all of our sins and it continues to wash all of our sins. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 20 when he was writing to the Romans, where the law entered that the offenses might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> has taken care of the sin problem for us. And he has completely washed us from all of our sins. And he continues to wash us. He is the propitiation for our sins. That's just a, just a, a special word that means he is the one who appeases God. Uh, we cannot appease God. We cannot please God. We can try our best to wash our sins away, but the stains just keep coming back. But the Lord Jesus Christ, through his precious blood, has completely washed our sins away. And he's put a desire within our hearts to walk away from sin and to live for him. He's given us not only the grace which is the power and the desire to live for God, but the grace to no longer live in sin. But um, somehow we've got to get into Romans chapter 6 and know that that's true. And when Jesus walks with you, then you begin to know that that's true. And then we see that his incarnation is what gives us the assurance that he is able to do all that he promised because we know that he is God. We're not trusting in uh, a son of God. We're trusting in God. The only begotten son of God is God, incarnate in human flesh. He is the Emmanuel. He and his father are one in power. He and his father are one in might. He and his father are one in glory. And he is able to deliver. And so we trust in him because he is able. He is able to carry you through. And so he became a man, and now he is, uh, excuse the expression, he's more than the Superman. He is the only one that can take care of us and get us into heaven, and he does it as a man. Though he is the God-man, Though he is all man, yet he is all God, 
And God made it very clear that the only way that you and I could get into heaven was through a man. And the only man that could do that would be God. And so God became the perfect man. God became the man that you and I could never be in this old fallen fleshly body of ours. And so he came into this world not through the seed of Adam, but through the seed of God. But yet he is all man. And as all man, he could die as a man. He could bleed as a man. He could cry as a man. He could feel sorrow as a man. He could be put to death as a man. But as God, he could heal his wounds. He could raise up his dead body. He could change his body into a body that was, or from a body that was mortal to a body that is now immortal. And he can ascend into heaven, he can descend back to earth. And so as a man, he has entered into heaven, and he's walked through the veil, and he's opened up that veil and made a doorway that we may enter in. Wow, what such grace. And so... <clears throat> The Bible calls him the firstborn man. We find in Colossians 1 and verse number 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. The word firstborn is an interesting word. They say that the word firstborn taken from the Koine Greek is prototokos, which means that he has the rightful claim to all that the Father owns because he is, by law, entitled to all the inheritance because he is the firstborn. Just as Moses explained the law to the children of Israel concerning their firstborn male children, and they got the pick of the inheritance. And so Jesus Christ he has received the entire inheritance. All that belongs to the Father, the Father has now given to his Son. It is all his. But now he wants to share that inheritance with us. He doesn't want to keep it for himself. But since we have been brought into the family of God, and we are now considered to be brothers and sisters of God, we find, secondly, and most importantly, that the Lord Jesus Christ has now included us to be partakers of that inheritance. And so that is why we are to give thanks unto God and unto the Father that have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints that are in the light. In the light of what? In the light of God's glory in the light of uh, the anointing of God's Spirit. Those who have truly received Him, who are now in the light. And God has not only promised that inheritance, but it's an inheritance that He is going to follow through on. And we are told it will not fade away. It's an inheritance that God is keeping for us and is kept by the power of God ready to be revealed in the last days. And like Paul said, I have not seen, ear have not heard, 
thought has not entered into the hearts of men the things that God had prepared for them that love him. We'll say more about that in just a quick moment. But number three, as we think about God's grace, we think about uh, the fact that out of his grace we exist. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we'd all just blow apart. We understand <clears throat> that when we get into the biology of man and we understand everything about the atom and the nucleus and the electrons and the neutrons and everything that swarm around the atom, that is God that keeps everything together. We understand in the law of physics what they do in coming up with nuclear power is they harness catastrophe. Uh, they take what uh, uh, is being held together and they explode it apart, but they contain it and it becomes energy. But it has to be contained. And so what they're doing is containing chaos. And once it's ever released, and then there is chaos, and man can do nothing about it. Once it's released, it becomes devastating. And it completely upsets the whole balance of nature. The only one that could ever fix that kind of chaos is the one who came up with the whole idea of creating life and forming life and uh, putting us all together as we are made up of cells. And so the Bible makes it very clear that as we see in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16, that by him all things are created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. You see, we can't see the wind, but we know he created the wind. We can't see the oxygen that we breathe, but we know that it's there. And you get into a room and it's airtight, and once the oxygen is gone, you can't see that it's gone, but you'll know that it's gone. <laughs> you can stand on a ledge that's a thousand feet high, looking down into a valley and step off that lodge, and you can't see the gravity that's going to bring you down to the bottom at some 90 miles per hour, but it's there. God has created a lot of things that are invisible. Electricity is something you can't see, but it's certainly there. You take and generate power, and you short it out, and you walk barefooted over a puddle of water, and you'll find out that it's there in a hurry. And there are many things that we cannot see that God has created, and they can be very powerful. All of these things we understand and know that, that they're there and they exist because there's a creator that has designed them. And all things are held together and all things exist because of him. Therefore, we understand that he is before all things and by him all things consist. What is interesting is we understand that laminin is a molecule that we call a protein, and without that protein in your body that they refer to as laminin, your whole body would just fall apart. It is the glue that keeps everything glued together. And uh, we are told by biologists uh, that uh, 
without that protein, uh, you wouldn't exist as a person. And what's interesting about this protein cell is it's in the form of a cross. You see, it's through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that we're held together. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, that holds the entire world together. And all things consist in him. And so we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He holds us together. He keeps us secure. And he will bring us into his presence. He is to head over all things as we see in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18 through 20. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should the fullness dwell. So having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. What our Heavenly Father has heaped on us through His Son, for which He has heaped all these blessings, for which now He shares these blessings with us, it goes beyond comprehension. Just a few here. The riches of his inheritance, it goes far beyond anything that we could ever imagine. <clears throat> As I said earlier, that we are blessed far beyond anything that we could ever realize. This life is so short, and one day we're going to move out of here and we're going to see what God has prepared for us. And it may not have to be through the undertaker, it may be by the upper taker. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen very soon. It could be here. It could be there. But it will happen. And it may happen in the air. We're going to be caught up and we'll be with the Lord and we'll see what God has for us. So Peter wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his, notice, abundant mercy... Now, we understand that grace is you and I getting something we do not deserve. Where mercy is you and I getting what we don't deserve. <clears throat> you see, we deserve hell, but we don't get hell. We get heaven instead. We don't deserve to be with God, but out of his mercy, we're going to be with God. And so mercy is you and I not getting what we deserve. Where grace is you and I getting much more than what we should never get because of his great love. And God has given to us something that goes far above anything that we are worthy of. And that's why we should never boast in anything because it is the grace of God. God's unmerited favor. His grace for us it is so undeserving. There's not a person 
has ever walked this planet outside of the Lord Jesus Christ who is deserving of God's grace. But God, in his abundant mercy, has bestowed upon us grace for grace. So, in his abundant mercy, he hath begotten us again unto a living hope or a lively hope. That lively hope is by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his resurrection from the dead. But Jesus Christ has not only given us the hope of the resurrection, but notice in verse number 4, an inheritance. An inheritance that's incorruptible, an inheritance that's undefiled, an inheritance that fadeth not away, an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for you, an inheritance which God has promised that is kept by His power, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God not only gives to you salvation, but he gives to you an inheritance. Why is that? Because you are now a part of his family. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are now children of God. We are now sons and daughters of God. And God has sent his Holy Spirit within our hearts as we read in Romans chapter 8, as we also see in Galatians, to where now, as we see in Galatians 5 and Romans chapter 8, we can cry, Abba, Father, because the Spirit is now bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the moment that you trusted Christ as your Savior, if you were truly saved, somehow you knew in your heart that God is now your Father. And He likes for us to pray to Him, by the way, as our Father. So often I hear people pray, Jesus this and Jesus that. Yes, we're to ask in the name of Jesus when we conclude our prayer. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then Jesus said, if you shall ask anything in my name, then the Father is glorified. But we ask not only in the name of Jesus, but we come before the heavenly Father asking in the name of his Son. And so it's important that we recognize both. I heard someone say the other day, well, what about the Holy Spirit? Do we recognize the Holy Spirit in our prayer? Well, we can thank God for the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will never speak of himself. The Holy Spirit will never have us to bring any glory to him, but to give all glory to the Son. So we pray to the Heavenly Father, giving praise and giving thanks and giving glory unto his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ asking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's okay to thank God for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that dwells in you, that has now revealed unto you the glory of His Son. You understand that? And so we give praise unto the Lord, who has kept us by His power. And then we think of the beauty of His righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21, 
to think that we who were sinful and we who were unclean and we who were filled with iniquity, who have fallen short of the glory of God. For God said, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. Yet Jesus Christ was made sin for us that we might made, be made the righteousness of God through him. To me, that is such an amazing verse of scripture. That I would be made the righteousness of God in him. Not by my works of righteousness, which I have done, but by his. And through his righteousness, I'm accepted in the beloved. Through his righteousness, I have been cleansed. He has taken my unrighteousness and my filthiness and my sin, and he bore them in his own body and washed them away with his righteous blood that I might be acceptable in the sight of God in his righteousness. That, to me, is a lot of grace heaped on Jim Nolan. But not only the beauty of his righteousness, what about the glory of sitting with him on the throne? It just keeps heaping upon us. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as I overcame and sat down with my Father in his throne. To sit with Jesus, crowned as a king, robed as a priest, and to reign with him and to rule with him, judging over angels that he created that right now are much greater than we are. And yet, all of that grace is going to be given to us. Come up here, my child, and sit with me on my throne. Wow. <laughs> I, we have no idea. The throne room of God, his throne, by the way, is a movable throne. His throne, by the way, is held up by seraphims. And as they lift up the throne, their wings are flopping and they are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His throne reaches from one end of heaven to the other end of heaven. His throne has a rainbow upon it from one end to the other end. The subjects of his throne are as a sea of glass for which there is no end of his dominion. And he will say to us, in the multitude of the trillions of the saints of heaven, my child, come and sit with me on my throne. We have no idea of the grace that is heaped upon us. And then we think of the likeness of his glory. As we will receive bodies that will be fashioned like unto his glorious body. To think that these old Tired bodies, and maybe yours isn't as tired as mine, but years is kind of like viscosity. It has a way of weighting you down. <laughs> and in time, you're going to start thanking God that he has given you the promise of a glorious body. And we are assured that he will change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able. 
He is able to change your body regardless whatever has happened to your body. As you stand before the Lord without limbs or without eyes, a body that has been disfigured, he will change it into something that is truly glorious. And then the dwelling of his presence. To me, that is the greatest of all, that I will see Jesus and that I will dwell with him. To think that the Lord has promised that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That Jesus said, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. To be with Jesus is the greatest of all the grace. This is just a small sample of God's wonderful grace. We could go on for the rest of the night talking about the blessings that God has promised to us. And it all happened when Jesus was born that God's gift of grace to you, grace that was heaped upon grace, all wrapped up and bundled up in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Jesus Christ, God's gift to us. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. And thank you for the wonderful salvation that assures us that one day we will stand in your presence. May we be faithful in serving you. May we be faithful in surrendering our, surrendering our lives completely over to you. That there would be not one thing that is unsurrendered in our lives. That we would be completely and totally surrender to you. Lord, as we go, as you tarry, and if you may tarry, give us the grace to be able to go through whatever it is that you would bring us through. For we know that on the other side, your grace and your glory and your presence with all your blessings as we think about this life, are not even worthy to be compared.